Late. Late for what? My first day. Oh, good morning, Miss Hayes. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to learn more about it because you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Sipple Shepard. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. I hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every two weeks. This is going to take several years, as you can imagine. So please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's let's get get started. But the first time he drags her in there, she's mm-hmm. laughing like she's out of character. I don't think she's in character when she first. Yeah. Do you notice I that? Agree. I agree. Yes, I have an asterisk with Sybil laughing out of character. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the same as she's walking out at the end of the scene as well. Oh, like yes. When he's singing. She's laughing at him. I don't think, she, I yes. think she's laughing at Bruce, not David. I, I agree with you. Absolutely. And I think that there are some things in here that, again, like something was probably going on outside of filming you know, them, you know, bantering with each other as Sybil and Bruce. Now, you know, when uh, he says to shake out her do and he's talking about her hair and everything, yeah. and like l- yeah. nuns and librarians don't have a hairdo like that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I think this is something that Bruce would give Sybil crap about her hair, something he didn't like her hairstyle or something like that in real life. And Glenn wrote it into the show because. Did you notice the hairdresser's name is Mr. Bruce? I wrote that down and I wanted to ask you about it. Yeah, they do mention it in some commentary um, or I've read it somewhere. I forget where I picked up that tidbit, but that, you know, he gave her crap about her hair. He, he thought her hairstyle was kind of outdated. It's kind of a classic hairstyle. I mean, it's just long and one length bob kind of thing. Like, mm. I don't know what problem he had. Maybe he was just trying to get a rise out of her. Anyway, inside joke, definitely. And, and she is laughing. I think they were probably like goofing around or something. Something was going on anyway, but you're right. I totally agree. She was laughing out, out of character a couple of times there. Because when I was watching it today, she's saying, I'm going to tell Mr. Bruce that you made me do this. And I'm thinking to myself, hang on, who's Mr. Bruce? That's not a character in the show. And then I'm thinking, oh, is that a famous hairdresser? Mm. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think it's definitely refers to Bruce giving oh. some, you know, I think it's just an inside reference to them. Okay. From memory, this was the first scene they shot of the episode. Would that be right? That I don't know. I don't know about that. It's possible. Yeah. 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 I've got a feeling it was, it's either the first scene or one of the first scenes they shot. 
if anybody out there knows, write in. And he's telling her to un- unbutton her blouse and he rips the skirt. I can't believe he did that. <laughs> and she screamed. Yeah, I know. It was a good scream. I love her screams. They're just the best. I know. You- I thought about you because I know you love her screams. So oh, like, my oh. God. Yes, absolutely. I like it. And yeah. she goes, all right, Henry Higgins, can we go now? That's that another reference to yeah. My Fair Lady. Uh, whoever doesn't has never watched My Fair Lady. It's a, such a good movie. 1964 with Rex Harrison and Audrey Hepburn. And it's about a, a snobbish phonetics professor, Henry Higgins, who agrees to wager that he can make a flower girl her name was Eliza Doolittle, presentable in high society, which he does. Oh, how funny. Doing. So that's why he, she called him Henry Higgins. So that's another bit of trivia for you. Okay, that's good. Yeah, so he's trying to make her presentable for. Mm. Okay, and then that probably goes on with that storyline because she says, I can't wait until we have to go to a society party, you know, like mm. um, when you're in my world, you know, that's right. you fit yeah. in. Yeah. yeah, and that, that's definitely a reference to My Fair Lady. Yeah, okay, that's great. Very cool. Yeah, so David or Bruce sings, or David sings. As we get to the songs, I'll just tell you a bit about him. So, yeah, he sings Do Why Diddy, which um, was made famous by Manfred Mann in 1964, but it was originally done in 1963 by a band called The Exciters. Hmm. So I just thought I'd mention that. Yeah, no, I like that. I like all the inside stuff, and hopefully listeners do too. And as she walks out, out of that alleyway, yeah, she, she steps in the puddle. I can't even deal with that every time I watch it. She steps, <laughs> she steps in, in the puddle. puddle. Oh god. <laughs> <sighs> oh, god. But yeah, she's laughing. He he's like putting his sunglasses on, kind of looking her up and down. And yeah, it's yeah. all lit. very cute and flirtatious. It's amazing he doesn't have his X-ray specs on. Yeah, not yet. That comes later. <laughs> <laughs> so then they they enter this nefarious bar, this downtown dangerous kind of bar. And the music is? Um, the music is Knock on Wood. Yeah. And it, I noticed it was a very slow version. So um, I looked that up and because I only remember the 1979 version by Amy Stewart. That was when I was, mm-hmm. you know, in high school. But this version was a 1967 version by Eddie Floyd. That's what okay. was playing in the bar. Yep. Okay. So I wonder why Knock on Wood? What, what do you think this is a reference to? Um, Knock on wood is like kind of luck, right? Good luck. When I, you know, we are going to need good luck walking in there. I know. Yeah. Maybe that's just what it refers to. Right. Just good luck. Uh, maybe just good luck. Yeah. Good luck in there. Good luck with the case. Good luck, you know, finding who you need to find. But I love this, how she's walking in, of course, you know, all looking hot and getting the attention and, you know, she's got the button unbuttoned and all that stuff. And then he's like, what are you doing? Button up that button and, you know, uh, fix that hair and like, uh, you know, undo <laughs> everything you just told her to do because like, they're always like trying to do the unexpected. Maddie is fitting in just fine. All the guys love looking at her, you know? Oh, they're having a great time. think it's eye candy. I did write that down too, that he totally does a backflip and says button up and are you trying to start a riot? Yeah. You're trying to start a riot. Oh uh, that's so funny. Is he jealous? <laughs> they're often jealous. Yeah, he obviously had a mixed reaction when they walked into the bar because all these people are looking at her and he's thinking, no, I don't want everybody to look at her. Plus he's worried for her safety because, you know what, she she could have started a riot. She was gorgeous. Yeah, I know. Gosh, her walking into that bar. And then he, again, tries to shake the bartender's hand and he won't shake his hand. 
Oh my god, it's very common in this show, isn't it? It's so funny. Yes, I know. It's it's great. I love it. But uh, yeah, so anyway, they you know David's kind of being a, an idiot, right? Kind of being an ass, thinking oh that he god. he can kind of pull this off, and yeah, kind of be. He's just showing off in front of her. And it doesn't work for him at all because he gets his ass tossed across the room. Now, I'd like to talk about that. (laughs) First of all, he asked for seven or eight tequilas. No, I better make it a baker's dozen. He's like, you want want 13 tequilas? Yeah, that was great. You want 13 tequilas? Of course, the bartender grabs him by the scruff of the neck. And, you know, he was already angry before they walked in anyway, to be quite frank. And all of a sudden, he throws him six to seven feet over the table. How the hell did he do that? I know. Yeah, that was kind of probably just even moonlighting being a little bit <laughs> I know. I know. I know he's a heavyweight champion, but seriously. Yeah, that was... <laughs> yeah. But yeah. speaking of that shot, that was a really good shot because after he falls to the ground, the direction yeah. is the camera is very low again down the bottom, yeah. looking up. So it's behind David, yes, looking up to Maddie and the bartender. I right. just find that a great shot. But not only that, yeah. I noticed her dress. If you look at her dress, the hem is like three or four inches high. Did you notice that? The hem of her dress is three or four inches high. Like, you mean so, like really high up on her thigh? No, I mean high as in when they folded it up, it's really long. You know the oh, hem of really? her dress. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, oh. Okay, oh, I didn't notice that. I love sewing and I would not make a hem that high. Oh, how funny. Yeah, it's I wonder why it was like that. <laughs> and the <laughs> other thing I noticed, there was a lady behind her. Now, these are all nefarious characters, right? They're all yeah. sort of hoodlums Supposedly. and crooks and God knows what. And there's this woman behind her and she just looks like a housewife. <laughs> I know. I was looking at some of the people in the bar too. They didn't look that scary to me. <laughs> no, and I'm looking at me, what the hell are you doing in this bar? Yeah, really. Are you oh, looking funny. for trouble? Yeah, maybe she was. Maybe she's uh, one of the old ladies of the um, one of the bikers or something. Who knows? Maybe. But um, yeah, so they mentioned the right name about Michael Rye, right? And then the bartender's like, gets him in the back room, I guess. And then they kind of find out they're in for more than they bargained for with the case. Because mm. he and- thinks that they want someone dead. That's right. They think they want an assassin. And this is one of the very few times that David says, we're off this case. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Mm. Yeah, I said friend to friend, we want off this case. Friend to friend, we want off this case. Yeah. Also, they make a little reference to it being a TV show because David says, for those of us who may have tuned in a little late. (laughs) I love that line. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, a little reference to them being a TV show not really fully grasping, you know, they're all, they're trying to figure it out. Like, Oh, you think we're here to like have someone murdered. So it's all turning like pretty dark. Like David says, we want off this case. You're right. You know, Maddie's usually the one that doesn't want to take the case, but David's yeah. warning against it. While I was watching it, one thing I noticed, I'm thinking, how the hell did we watch this show on TV without having the ability to pause rewind? Yeah. Because it was just so fast. I don't think I would have grasped the plot by the end of it. It was just no, so fast and, you know, the fast pace and and yes. you really have to keep up with it. Oh, I know. Yeah. You can't. It's not one that you could like, 
go get a snack and come back and keep, you know, not that it was hard to follow in that way, but it's just like, you miss so much, you know, if you don't, if you don't keep up and yeah, stick right with it. But I think you, you did stick right with it or viewers did stick right with it because it moved so fast and it was so different at that time. Mm. It was not like anything at, on TV at the time really, or since, but there's just such a, more of a variety these days. So much going on. I agree. Yeah. So back to Agnes, she's got a new poem, um, yeah. but she's realizing that, oh my God, I didn't even know these other lights were on this phone. How are they lighting up while I'm on the phone? I know Um, she's not used to this phone ringing so much. And of course she had to repeat her poem again. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And she's trying to rhyme with every call. I noticed that that was really cute and funny. She's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. Blue Moon Detective Agency, where our detectives with a heart, we're here to do our part. In your moment of need, we'll we'll be there indeed. So please don't be shy. Just give us a try. We're cooperative and discreet. We really can't be beat. And uh, if I may be so bold, I'd like to put you on hold. So I'm a detective agency. We're detectives with a heart. But she doesn't have enough rhymes or enough time to get the rhymes in. Well, it's like the phone is suddenly ringing off the hook. How is the phone ringing off the hook? <laughs> All of a sudden, when they just got this one case. <laughs> they didn't yeah, really explain that, that happening. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they were so busy. All of a sudden, nothing's really been happening other than them following up this one case. But whatever. Maybe That's the word right. got out. You don't know. They did get some press coverage, so maybe it's all catching up. Maddie storms into his office saying that Farley Rye wants to have dinner with her. Yeah. And he turns around with his x-ray specs on. Yeah. And the first impression is, who wants you to have dinner with him? He, he is already jealous. So he's he's already jealous, didn't realise it was Farley Rye, and he's like, what? Huh? Hang on a minute. Who's having dinner with you? So you've already got Ew. this concern from David that, he wants mm-hmm. her for himself, but then he doesn't want to tell her that either. Oh, yeah, I know. Yes, you're right. Like you said before, he wants to be with her as much as possible. And he's doing all this to spend a lot of time with her. This scene and then what happens after the scene shows that even more. Is this the first time she sits on his desk? Yeah, I wrote that too, that Maddie sits Did you on the write, corner of his desk. Yeah, you wrote yes. that too? Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Just with the x-ray specs, very um, like classic moonlighting, you know, shown in every like, you know, if you see like clips of moonlighting, you're going to see that because that's just like the essence of David Addison. If you see like a moonlighting montage, they would include that scene. Oh, these x-ray specs. Pretty cool, huh? You must be wearing a lead dress. I can't see a thing. (laughs) On the glasses themselves, it actually says x-ray gogs. Yeah, x-ray gogs. How funny. X-ray gogs, yeah. And they mention McGillicuddy in there. Yeah, yes. one of the workers' names later, but yeah, so. And mentioned in other scenes. It must be a, a name that Glenn liked, McGillicuddy. <laughs> Maybe it's fun to say. It rolls off the tongue. It's um, it's easy to say. It's unusual and it's easy to say at the same time. Yeah, that's so, true. yeah, this man gets up in the morning and he, he looks at his calendar and says, oh, I've got to kill McGillicuddy today. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've got to run over to Baxter and pick up my shirts. Now, what's Baxter? Is that a dry cleaner? I don't know. Maybe Mm. something at the time, probably a drug cleaner or maybe, yeah, either real one or made up. Who knows? But yes. Are you at all surprised? Maddie's like flattered and kind of wants to almost seems like she wants to go on a date with this guy because he's not attractive at all. (laughs) No, I think she just finds him to be a sweet old man and, you know, she's quite happy to. Yeah. But, and she's like, but he's kind of charming. She might even like actually have any interest in him. I don't know. I wasn't sure, but 
what's with Maddie and these like older and attractive men? <laughs> yeah, you know? I don't know. I think she's just uh, mesmerized by his kindness and sad about him not seeing his son for so long. And she probably yeah. wouldn't mind some company, to be honest, because, you know, as far as the show's concerned, we think she doesn't have anybody yet anyway, in like right. family wise. Yeah. Yeah. She's a little lonely. And like she said, it is flattering. Who doesn't like the attention? Right. So um, he wants to take her to dinner and that's a nice thing. So, and yeah, he is a nice older man and, you know, it might be interesting to talk to him. He's got, he's had quite a life. As you were saying, David wants to spend as much time with her as possible. So he says he'll go with her and wait. You know what? I love this scene Mm -hmm. because I love the way she says Mm -hmm. for me. You would wait in your car all that time. For me, yeah, I just love the way she says that. For me, yeah, she seems really kind of taken aback by David as well. Yes, it, yeah, definitely, it's um, endearing. You know, shows their growing care for each other. He wants to spend the evening with Maddie, even if it's waiting in the garage for her. But he gets to see her. He gets to like spend some time. Yeah, I just find it a very sweet scene. It's so it's a loving scene without actually telling each other how they feel. Hmm. Yes. But he also has an ulterior motive because he has a feeling that she's not going to tell Farley Rye that his son is an assassin. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't think that she can do it. Oh, Mm -hmm. another thing that he says in there, they say to each other as he says, I I think she says, you would do that for me. And then he said, hey, partners, right? And, um, you know, then I asked myself, are they partners? Because... (laughs) It's always kind of the thing, like, are they partners or associates? Is this his her associate, as she says mm. many times, or is are we partners? He's always trying to say they're partners, and she says that they're associates. So yeah, she yeah. has never said partners. It's always my associate, David Addison. Yeah, yeah. And then later he's like, right. partner, you know, no yeah. partner, associate, blah blah blah. So, but she kind of agrees here. Yes, we are partners, right? But he's always trying to insist they're partners anyway, but she kind of denies that. But anyway, here they agree. She's going to go meet Farley at the Carlisle, which, yeah, I think the Carlisle was a very nice restaurant. I wasn't sure if it was inside a hotel. It's a very minimalist type restaurant. There's not a lot of atmosphere. It's very clinical. I don't know. That's how I viewed it. Yeah. I didn't uh, pay too much attention to the, Mm. I wonder if that was a location or. Mm. Yeah. So she has dinner with him. And the gold dress, the gold satin dress. Yeah. Um, initially, the um, the beginning of the scene, you don't see her face. So I'm just wondering whether it's her. Oh, is it from her from behind? From the side. From the side. I think yeah. most of the time when you can't see their face, it's not them. Yeah. When yeah. it's over the shoulder yeah. and it's like you're just seeing hair. Because I was I, trying to rewind it and watch the differences in the hair. That's the only thing you could really yeah. tell. And yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't see a difference. So they did a good job in that one if, if it wasn't Sybil. So, yeah, especially with Sybil, from what we've heard and read and and all of that and from commentary and things like that, you know, when they were filming the other person's side, she got out of there. Yeah, I've heard that too. I think it was um, either Jay Daniel or one of the directors said, chances are if you're seeing the back of their head, that's the stand-in. Yeah, you can't blame an extra character. I don't think you're going to stick around for them to film that side. No, that's right. Yeah. You'd rather be, you'd be in your trailer learning your lines for the next scene. Yeah, exactly. Or Mm -hmm. if it's later in the day, you'll be, she'll Mm -hmm. be home with her daughter and things like that. 
yeah. So she really likes this guy. Like you say, she feels for him and his whole situation and she can't break it to him about what was she supposed to tell him? Tell him that um, his son is an assassin. Oh, tell him his son is an assassin. That's what she had to tell him. Okay. So David's waiting in the car and I've Shazam this song, but I can't for the life of me work out what it is because Shazam doesn't know what this song is. Oh, song really? Is. I said a uh, song in the car, question mark. Um, you Shazammed it and you couldn't. Yeah, I Shazammed it twice from hmm. the TV and it does not come up. So if anybody knows what that song is, I would like to know. Thank you very much. I thought for sure Grace was going to (laughs) know. Normally I'm pretty good at researching and finding out stuff, but um, I didn't go too far into into that. I just shazammed it and just left it at that. If anybody knows what it is, otherwise I'll try and find out what that song is. It's a very 80s song, very 80s. Yeah. Yeah, And And she screams through it. Oh, I know. Yeah. You get more screaming. I really like the line that David says that, you know, oh, now we're all going to die. Maybe we can get a group right at the cemetery. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> now we're all going to die. <laughs> I know. It's really funny. It's a really good scene in the car. They're having their disagreement about she didn't tell him. She didn't want to tell him because he's dying. Don't want to tell him his son's a, a killer. And so they have this argument. She gets out of the car. And, of course, boom, he goes into emergency mode again um, yes. because he realises, oh, dear, he needs to handle this now. And he tells her how many things they have in common, which is a very famous scene as well. Yes. And I'm not sure we, they have all those things in common. <laughs> <laughs> Let's That's talk about funny. sex. Who'd have guessed? Uh, I like yeah. sex too. Right, exactly. Who'd have guessed? I like sex too. Now, Maddie's kind of you know they're building a relationship right and every single time things aren't going her way or you know she doesn't like the way it's going she's like Addison I don't think this is going to work she's always trying to like run away from that relationship right and then he has to be like no 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 Maddie this is why it's going to work you know she's always trying to run he's he's always chasing she's convincing him it's not going to work he's convincing her it is going to work I mean that is like the basis of their relationship David this doesn't work you know well, she says that a lot right we don't have anything in common, you know, and what's she talking about there? She's talking about the relationship. She's talking about, <laughs> you know what I mean? Lines get blurred with that, I guess. Yeah. Is it the work relationship? Is it their relationship? Is, you know, she's getting scared. She wants to run. What do you think of the big fur coat? It's big. Yeah, it is really big. <laughs> Full length fur in LA. In LA, you don't need a, <laughs> a fur length fur coat, but she, she wears quite a few of them. Hmm throughout the series you know it's just a sign of the times really right these, yes. these days your leading woman would not be in a real fur coat no you? no yeah but I remember back in the 80s I had a few fur coats but they weren't a full one I had the half ones but yeah it was yeah. definitely an 80s thing the fur coats and yeah. the forehand yeah yes and like you said classic walk and talk scene there dialogue wise and yeah and then, you know, what's funny about moonlighting is they're always having to go back to the office to pick up things, you know, before they go home. <laughs> it's like, what is that? What is back of the office that you could have left? And they never really come in with anything, you know, yeah, but you just go home. Yeah, but that's because he had to sing Love Boat again. Yeah, right. Yes, Parking exactly. Parking right. lot. Parking lot. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And this is one of my favorite scenes when they're walking into the office, like down the hall and into the office, Maddie is smiling and Maddie looks super happy. He's entertaining her. 
like we were saying, like Maddie's not that happy in most of the episodes of the of the show. So I always notice when she is and she's you know got a big smile on her face and, you know, she's being entertained and like kind of wrapped into his silliness with the parking lot show and all that stuff. I like that. It's a very tight shot of them, like walking down the hall and, you know, entering. It's dark. They do a lot of things in silhouette. It's really dark when they enter the office. They turn on the lights. You know, it's very like close up with the two of them, like close together. When they're there and he's after he's talked about the parking lot, she walks off and I don't think it's enough time for her to get to the door, walk in and see Michael Rye. Right. Because Mm. she walks off and within seconds she says, Addison, could you come in here, please? Right, because she's seen the guy, and the guy apparently has already asked her to get David in here. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? If you watch it again, she walks off, off screen, but okay. I don't think she's got enough time to get to the door, go in and see Michael Wright. So anyway, right. just something I noticed. Yeah, it was uh, quick. And in a couple episodes, they do this where he's like, go get your things. She goes into her office and like, go get your things. And then did he say, um, I don't think it's this episode where he says, I'll meet you at the car. I think he says, like, get your things and then we'll, we'll go down to the car or something. Yeah, I think that's the, um, the episode Funeral for a Doornail, where the guy's mourning the loss of his wife, who isn't really dead. Yes, that's right. It is a quick turnaround. It's like, David. And then... He goes into Maddie's office and a couple funny one-liners here with, uh, what's his character's name? Michael Rye. Oh, this is Michael Rye. With Michael Rye, um, like, what does he like, cock his gun or whatever? And then David has a couple funny lines there. What does he say? Oh, uh, yeah. He says, do you think this guy likes his work? He's being very glib. He's being very yeah. flippant in a dangerous David. situation, mm-hmm. which is like classic David. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I, oh, he also says like, yo, Madeline, which I like calls her by her full name. And then uh, there's a line that they say to each other. He's, when she comes back from meeting Farley Rye, um, he says, look me in the eye and tell me you told him or something like that. Oh, that's and then, when they um, were in the car. Yeah. On the car. Sorry, I'm going back. Yeah. Um, but then I think when she calls him into the office, he says, you rang, which is a line that he repeats a lot. Yes. As well. And then, uh, oh, they do the whole who and whom. Oh, yeah. And, like grammar thing. What yeah, the which hell is really, was that? <laughs> that was really funny. Because, you know, people never know, is it who or whom and like when to use it. And that, yeah, even the um, Michael Rye is like, no, whom, whom, you know, whatever. Yes. He like corrects their grammar, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, I think Glenn was having a bit of a, a bit of fun there because, you know, a lot yeah. of people don't know when to put whom or who. So he probably thought, oh, I think <laughs> Yeah. I'll use that in the scene. So it was quite good. And of course, Michael's character is, you know, half in the dark as well. The lighting's showing how sinister he is. And I've never known a character like that to cock the gun so often. How many times did he? he... (laughs) (laughs) Really trying to get his point across. I know. It's funny. And then um, how funny was that when he says, um, who do you want killed? And she like glances at David and he's like, him, him. And he's like, me, me, no, tell him. You don't, no, no, she doesn't want me dead. No, tell him, Maddie. It's like him. No, not him. Not him. Don't call him. Oh don't kill God. him. Yeah. So that was really funny. And David's full of one-liners here. You know, it's really, and this is where the Wyatt Earp reference comes in. And then we get a twist. We get a twist on the plot. He makes them go back to the restaurant. And they go to find out who this guy was, what his real name was. 
Yeah, because he says my father's been dead, so that can't be my father kind of thing. Yeah, so the father's been dead for 14 years, so that's not possible. So who's this guy that's after me? So this guy's worried now that who is this guy that's after me, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I really like the maitre d'. He he really makes an impression, even though he's only on the screen for probably less than a minute. Yeah, most unusual and most thoughtful. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) that was cute. He didn't want to give her the info until till she said, I'll give you cash and double the $120 yeah. bill for the meal, which back then I would assume would be quite a lot. Yes, that's right. So she takes it back down to the basement and that's when we all find out that it's Franklin Tate and he's also the best. Franklin Tate is looking for Who's me. Who's Franklin Tate? He's the best. The best at what? Best mechanic, the best eliminator. The best. Yeah, the best eliminator. <laughs> He's old school. Poisons, knives, guns. He's the dean, right. baby. He's old school. Poisons, knives, guns. <laughs> oh, but when he was hot. He's the dean, baby. And the dean is looking for me. <laughs> Poisons, knives, guns. That's great. <laughs> That's so funny. So yeah. now this guy thinks Franklin Tate is looking for him to kill him. And this is when Michael Wright tells them that, you know, all the killers around the, what does he call them, the second raters around the country have been uh-huh. trying to eliminate him <laughs> so that they can be number one. They can be the dean. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's this big competition between all these contract killers. I didn't know there were so many contract killers, you know, and that they were all in competition with each other. My this goodness. Such a fun, like a funny plot. Yeah. It sounds like a big club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a big club of um, contract killers, you know, mm. <laughs> I can see Glenn just like Crazy. laughing at himself, you know? Yeah, it is. It's really funny. Um, I didn't know it was that big of a competition, but you've got to be the best at something. Anyway, um, David and Maddie are going to set it up for the two killers to meet. Yes. And um, she doesn't want, she doesn't, she doesn't want to be a part of this slaughter. And, um, <laughs> and Michael Rice goes, well, you know what? The slaughter's going to happen whether you're there or not. So like, <laughs> what do you think this is? And then she says, I want to die. And she goes, oh, I didn't. Mean that. Yeah. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. I want to die. Yeah. That was really funny. Oh my God. They make light of it. Uh, you know, as I go back to the commentary, as Glenn says, there's no real jeopardy. Like the audience knows that Bruce and Sybil aren't going to die. You know, Maddie and David aren't going to die or be killed. So they can make light of a lot of this yeah. because yeah. there's no real jeopardy because neither of them are actually going to get killed and blah, blah, blah. So they, you know, he's just kind of like having more fun with it than taking it very seriously that this man could possibly kill them in any moment. So I, I love that the little jokes and banter. That's definitely, I think, something you would didn't get from other shows at the time. No. All throughout Moonlighting, you know, they get into trouble and so forth, but you just know there's not that much danger. It's not that high level of danger yeah. than there would be in other shows. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Then we're at this um, car wrecking place. Yeah, I like this scene. It's um, you First you see the truck coming over the bridge and then they drive up to the car wreckers and you've got this really rusty old place where cars go to die and you've got the lovely yeah. LA skyline in the background. Yeah, that's true. And Maddie drives with Farley and, uh, of course, typical Maddie, he gives her a check, right? And typical Maddie, she doesn't want to cash the check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't want to take the money. It's like yeah. Maddie. Maddie, Maddie, Maddie. She has her morals, you know, the reasons behind getting that check she doesn't like, and that's a running theme as well. That's happened in a few episodes to come where she doesn't want to take the check. So she gets out of the car because he's coughing really bad again. And, of course, she's appropriately dressed to climb cars. Yeah, right, in in her um, beige pantsuit. (laughs) A lot of beige. This is a terrible outfit. I mean, thank goodness Robert Turteris was coming in soon to like. Well, she does look lovely. I would have picked a different color, but it's a lovely suit. But yeah, no. Yeah, it's just too beige. She doesn't normally wear pants. No, not a common thing with her. We have to show her lovely legs. Show off her best, one of her best assets. And Bruce wearing these boots. You notice these? Yes. I wanted to talk about that because the rest of the show, he wears those sort of Hessian type crisscross I don't know what they're called but in future he doesn't wear boots at all no never he mm. wears more like loafers or just yeah just normal like oh you call them loafers okay yep uh, something like that loafer may be without ties but I don't know mm. anyone who knows the difference any shoemakers out there please write in <laughs> yeah we need as much information as we can yeah can yeah I love the crane mm. shot as he enters the wreckers you just see it goes right up. He walks through the gate and then you see all the cars and then L.A. in the background. David shows his disappointment to Michael. Doesn't yeah. want him to go through with it either. Yeah, it's cute that they're both so caring. They're both like trying to be like, guys, let's not do this, you know, but they're there to support them at the same time. They are their clients. So David's at the other entrance, must be the back entrance with uh, Michael Rye. And yeah. Maddie's at the front entrance with Franklin Tate. I really like. As he's calling him, getting closer and closer, it does that close-up on their eyes. And Franklin Tate says, how's your speed? Pretty good. And then he says, how's your aim? He goes, very good, right? Yeah, and then you get the close-up on the eyes, which I'm assuming, I have not ever seen the movie, but um, at the OK Corral, the actual movie, I'm assuming they have some sort of jewel or you know, the country and Western movies, how they used to show the close-up of them looking at each other. They're just about to kill each other. and Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so that's, that's, that makes me right. want to go and watch that movie too. So. Yeah. yeah, I bet there's something to that. Yeah, yeah, but there's some kind of like reference there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Maddie and David are kind of, you know, Maddie's 
moving forward, right? And she's not really listening to David as he's calling after her. He was ready um, to go home. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he Let's was face it. ready to get the hell out of there. And then I like the references to um, Wally, Beave, to Leave it to Beaver. You know that show, Leave it to Beaver? Oh, is that what he was saying? I, I know the show Leave it to Beaver. Yeah, I've written that down here. I didn't know what it meant. Yeah, so um, Wally and Beaver were um, on Leave it to Beaver were the kids. You know, they referenced this and other, like um, Richie and David sometimes call themselves Wally and Beave when they greet each other. Wally, Beave. So, you know, Wally and um, Beaver, that's like the quintessential like American family. So, yeah. I also like any reference to like um, Maddie and David being mom and dad, which they also do. They kind of play mom and dad with workers in the office and Agnes Mm. sometimes. So, yeah, I like any reference to like Maddie and David as a couple. Yeah. But anyway, Wally, Beef, he's acting like the dad telling them, stop it, boys. <laughs> oh, okay. So now I understand a scene in Brother, Can You Spare a Blonde? Exactly. Yes. That's, right. that's what they say. Wally, Beef. Yeah. They're, so they're, right. they're acting like they're. Finally, I get an explanation. Ah, that's so funny. And Ward. So it was June and Ward Cleaver and then Wally and Beaver. Those, that's, right. That was like the family unit. You know, that's the quintessential like American oh, family, right? It's okay. From the 60s. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some references for you. That makes sense now. It sure does. You're just a wealth okay. of information. <laughs> I try. I try. You know, if there's one thing I know about, it's moonlighting. <laughs> And David's on the ground, crawling on the ground with the white flag, and he says, deep doo-doo. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were talking about the deep doo-doo earlier. Right, yes, yeah, we're in deep doo-doo. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I don't think that's the last time that comes up either. Mm. But gosh, it gets really dark, doesn't it? The killer's talking about their craft and stuff. Yeah. Some dark stuff about, like, what they've witnessed, gone through after committing these crimes and, and things like that. Yeah. It gets pretty deep towards the end. Yeah. Yes. But as Michael grabs David, and of course they shoot each other first, obviously. Franklin Tate gets shot in the right arm, and Michael gets shot sort of on the side of his stomach there. Yeah. And then Franklin Tate appears. So, first of all, Michael grabs David, he's got blood all over him, gets blood all over that nice jumper. Yeah. And um, grabs him. And of course, David says he's a really good judge of character. I really think he's going to shoot me. I love how Franklin Tate appears above them. And you know what that reminds me of? Little things remind me of certain things that happen in movies because I'm a movie buff, right? So it reminds me of Ed Harris in The Rock. Okay. 1996 movie. Yeah. And he plays General Francis Hummel. He mentions in the movie that, you know, you've got no chance. We've got so many men with whatever guns they had from an elevated position, you have no chance of survival. So I always remember that. So when Franklin Tate appeared on the top of the van, I thought you've Mm. got the advantage, mate. This guy hasn't got a chance. It's like he said, well, if I shoot you and you shoot him, they're not going to be able to tell whose brain's whose. (laughs) Ew. 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 Yeah, gross. How funny. <laughs> what a line. One thing I wanted to know was Franklin Tate, you know, has a gun on Michael Rye's up on the van. So Michael yeah. Rye lets David go. Yeah. Right. He drops the gun and then David says, 
got to learn to relax and give a girl a chance. I took that as, um, gosh, almost a reference to someone like someone being too aggressive with a girl or something like that. Yeah, like I, um, I took it that way too. Yeah. As if, yeah. you know, you got to calm down and, you know, give a girl a chance, but yeah. Give a girl a chance to a, like warm up to you. I just thought it was thing. a strange reference. I don't, I'm not, yeah, quite, I'm not quite clear on, on the reference. Yeah. I don't think it's any like one specific reference, um, but as far as I know, but yeah, I think it was just the way that he was kind of like manhandling David mm. and then like, you know, let him go. Was, yeah. I think it was just kind of like a, almost a silly, like relax and give a girl a chance, you know, yeah. like, I don't even know you, I don't even know you, but you know, and you're <laughs> yeah, like, that's right. <laughs> yeah. You're like kind of hand, handling me in a rough way. Yeah, yeah. And he's making a lot of the situation. Yeah. Yes, as David does. Yeah. So Franklin finally got uh, Franklin Tate's finally got the gun on on uh, Michael Rye, and uh, he's like, "Now I do what I come I came here to do." So of course Michael Rye's on the ground crying his eyes out. Yeah. Um. But one great line that he says, which was really, really deep, is, "You know, dying is a funny deal. When you know it's coming, all you can think about is life." That's great. Yeah. I like Maddie and David are just so um, sympathetic to them and kind of, I guess, allow them to have it out and they go their separate ways. I don't know. There there was really no like finality there, was there? This is where it's getting close to why he hired Maddie and David to find this guy. Yeah. All the way through, you're thinking he wants to find this guy to kill him. No, first right. of all, you're thinking he's trying to find his son. Then they find out he's not his son, and then they think, oh, my God, now we've found this guy, now we've organised this guy to kill him. Yeah. But, in fact, it's all unravelling now. He's remembering the faces of every man he ever killed, yeah. the darkness. Right. And because now he's faced with his own mortality, he's yeah. realised, you know what, it's not worth it. All the things I've done, all the men I've killed, I've got to live with that. And now I'm dying and I could have had a better life. Yeah. He also says a line, um, you're good, you're damn good, you know. Yeah. Which is from a movie as well. Okay. Um, But I really like the music in the background when he's saying this because it's like uh, it's not the moonlighting theme. It's more of a forgiving type music. It's really reflective in the background. And he's just said, walk away from it, kid. So you listen to me. Yeah, it's kind of trying to give this younger guy the lessons yeah. that he yeah. learned now looking back near the end of his life. Yeah, that was the moral of the story. He's been faced with his own mortality. He realises mm-hmm. this guy is one of the top assassins and he wants to teach him and say to him, listen, mate, just just get out of it, walk away yeah. and choose a better occupation, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, so I just thought that was a lovely scene, how he explained to him how, you know, all the darkness he's had to endure and now he's dying and he's trying to tell him just don't end up like me. Yes, trying to pass on what he's learned. Yeah, so. And Maddie's face, oh. Mm. Oh. Yeah, Yeah, Maddie and David both look so sad. Yeah, so Maddie, Maddie feels, I think, feels so much better now that she's found out the real reason. Yeah. That he didn't come here to kill him. And he says, Maddie, cash the check. Yes, that's so, right. Yep. You know, 
And uh, yeah. Maddie has this feeling now that she has a great reason to cash the check. She's so proud of him. And that yeah. was my thought on the scene. Sorry, I took over. <laughs> oh, no, that's no, I liked your take on that. You had a, a deeper perspective. So that was great. Mm, it's a great moral of the story. Yeah, I like that it had like a little moral lesson in the end, you know, mm. see, you get more out of the show. You know, sometimes we say like, oh, the case doesn't matter too much. But then like, yeah, it was kind of great in the end. We get a classic moonlighting moment with um, David bursting through Maddie's office doors. <laughs> <laughs> now she's in a classic Maddie Hayes dress here. Yes. Another outfit change back in her office. Mm-hmm. And um, she looks lovely as usual beautiful like soft something to keep an eye on i wonder if she had more of a soft dress in the end yeah i like that dress really pretty and sybil with her hourglass figure looks great in dresses like that to have that waist and that was the fashion back in the 80s even i had those real thick um belts oh really yeah and then david with his you know what one last little humor with the um parking lot show Parking lot. Uh, no, no. I think it was um, she guessed. He said, I've got an idea. I've got it. And she goes, train station? Oh, train station. Train station. Thank you. Yes. And he got upset. <laughs> Why did he get upset? He wanted to entertain her or something. She stole his thunder. Yeah, I guess so, right? He had a joke and she said the punchline. That was funny. a great ending. So Glenn planted the seeds throughout the episode. Yeah. Which had nothing to do with the actual plot but he puts these things in and then at the end it all comes together just like the pilot yeah. at the end you know yeah. when oh, if you could all come back tomorrow she says oh train station and he's like oh he lost his mind and walked out <laughs> i know she's like david i'm sorry it'll never happen again it's, yeah so one last laugh and um lots of classic moonlighting in there that's what i that's what i really noticed is um i'm not sure if you've heard the commentary on every daughter's father is a virgin, but Glenn and Sybil do that. And Sybil says something like we sprung fully formed from the head of Glenn. And it's true. You know, I mean, these characters are so well fully formed so early in the series and there's just so much classic moonlighting here and a lot of depth to the characters and the plot. And yeah, we see the case. You know, it's just really fun to see how early a lot of these things started um, that we see throughout the series and just how fully formed Maddie and David are. And I I really enjoyed it. You're right. It did happen early on, but that's a credit to the writers, to the writing and their acting. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yes. That can't get any better than that. Created the the characters, but then they have to be able to pull it off. Didn't even take them, you know, I mean, in some other shows, it might take them three, four, five episodes to get really these characters down. And even though Bruce says that it did take him a while to grasp David Addison, I think he's got it here pretty early on, mm. earlier than he probably thought. Um, now, Grace, is this uh, an episode that's in your top 10? Um, no. Not, not no. one of mine either. No, no, it's not in my top 10, no. It's a great episode. As I've said, I love the moral of the story. I like the story and I love the the moral of the story at the end. But it's not one of my top ten. I must admit, when I go back to the box set, sometimes I might even skip this episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) And start from the next one. Not one of my go-tos either, I must say. But, But again, you know, kind of like with the pilot, like I was saying, 
when I watch it, I enjoy it. And there's so many classic lines and, and yes. things like that. You know, there yeah. are so many like yeah. classic moonlighting, but yeah. I agree. It's not one that I'm going to normally just put on No, for yeah. me. It's I not, think it's we not. all have our own personal ones that we'll just go to. We even probably have used up that disc. I know. <laughs> we'll yeah. go straight to YouTube yeah. or however you watch it. Yeah, it's good, but not one of my go-to, but and not in my top 10. It's now time for Moonlight Trivia. Um, okay, well, you can ask me your questions and then I will come up with something. <laughs> come up with something. Okay. The first question is, what are the three places Maddie and David go to before they go to the nefarious bar? Now, she mentions it in the car. It's really quick, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, you really so did get me the, on that they're one. They're in the car on the way yeah. to the bar. And okay. she says, we're never going to find this guy. We've been to blah, 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 and blah, blah, mm-hmm. trying to find yes. Michael Rye. Grace, that's a good question. I <laughs> don't. That went right by me. As we say, the, the lines go right past. And, oh, I don't know. and I don't the know. reason I have wrote that down is because I've never actually heard her say that. Isn't that ridiculous? Uh, yeah. Okay. So that was the first time you had caught. Yes. Yeah. The answer is they went to newspaper people the police, and the DA's office. Oh, okay. Wow. See, I never picked that up before. That's why I thought yeah, I might get a question. Yeah, that's a good um, one. What type of flower is in a vase on the receptionist's desk in the rival detective agency? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you are detailed on this. <laughs> a carnation. <laughs> they are orchids. Oh, orchids. I'm pretty yes. What is the name of the person who originally had an appointment with Mr. Rye? Oh my gosh, you came up with good ones. <laughs> that originally had a, um, you know what? I thought I wrote that down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go back to your notes. <laughs> if I can't come up with one of these. Um, I did do hard ones this week. You did. Um, I don't know. Tell me. Mr. Taylor. Mr. Taylor. Yeah. See, that's something too that slips by because you're waiting just to go back to Blue Moon. You know what I mean? Like you were saying in in our last episode, when you got the car chase, you just want to go back to Blue Moon, don't you? Yes. You just want him to like get the guy, go back, you know, Maddie, David. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, um, but those were really good. I'm going to definitely have to be more detailed. Um, <laughs> I'm in big my, trouble next week. Yeah, now you're, yeah, you're you're in trouble the next week. Yeah, I forgot about that little tidbit. So I don't have questions for you, but those are good ones for me, and I will come up with some really good ones for you next week. The ones I wrote down are just like way obvious that we've already talked about. And we'll get in one minute. It'd be fun to to see if any listeners um, could answer those as you were asking. It's now time for Moonlight Mail. Since our first episode about the pilot, we had asked some listeners to write in with their stories about how they came to find moonlighting and what it's meant to them over the years or anything they wanted to say about moonlighting um, in general. And we have just gotten so many responses from all over the world. And as Grace has posted throughout the week, we have had listeners from all over the world. And so it's been really great to hear some people's experience, which I'm sure a lot of us can relate to. I know I can. Grace and I thought that we would read some of these from listeners who wrote in. And so the first one says, um, I'm Italian and I first saw Moonlighting, my favorite show when I was a little girl. 
I was immediately fascinated by the story and by the two characters, or I wished I was Maddie and I had a loving partner like David. And I still think this today. I wish there was a sixth season to see what they and their stories would be like today. Do you even think it's possible? (laughs) Some people want that. I guess that's a topic of discussion for another time. The next one says, I live in Greece and I am in my early 40s. It reminds me of my childhood waiting impatiently with my mom and sister to watch the show. And that song, that song. Yeah, great opening song. Uh, Next one is, um, I was eight or nine years old and we got it in Turkey on only one channel, uh, or there was only one channel at the time. Moonlighting came new in my TV. My sister and I watched the show every Saturday together. Um, Next one, I'm French. And the first time I saw Moonlighting, I was 13 or 14 years old. I love this show. Since last year, I've watched all the episodes um, with voiceover because they couldn't find it um, in French. I love the the chemistry between the two characters. Sybil is a wonderful actress and singer and a beautiful woman. And I'm a fan of Bruce. Have a good day. That was great. And so this one says, I saw Moonlighting for the first time in July, 2021, because I love Elise Beasley. I have autism and anxiety. And when I first started to hear of Moonlighting, I was having a rough time with anxiety because of how people were bullying me. Watching Moonlighting made me feel better. And now I watch it three to four episodes every night. David and Maddie and Agnes always make me happy and bring me a lot of laughs. I'm a teenager, so no one I know knows about the show, but that's okay because I like having something special for me. That's from our Instagram, which is at Moonlighting the Podcast. And we also have email fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And Grace, were you going to read some of the fan mail we've gotten? Thank you to those people that messaged our Instagram. They're just beautiful messages. Thank you so much for your comments because we really want to hear lots of stories of how moonlighting came into your lives. So that's wonderful. Yeah, so we've got quite a few emails from fans with their stories about moonlighting. Here's one from Matthew. I saw your shout out yesterday to be included in the show. I'm a huge fan of Moonlighting, so much so it pretty much dictated my whole career. Not to become a detective, but when I watched it as a kid, episodes like Camille blew my mind. When they did stuff like take the set apart and include the backlot in the show, I had never seen anything like it and became fascinated by studios and sets and the whole production process, notwithstanding how it introduced me to incredible music. I ended up going to film school in London and fast forward a few years, I now make short documentaries for Universal Pictures. And at the start of each project, I'm like, how can I make this like moonlighting? And invariably, I like to break the fourth wall and show the production process. As I make films about the making of old movies and TV series, it feels appropriate to do this. Plus, I get to act like Glenn Gordon Karen. Sadly, though, these days, not many people in my crew, except my amazing producer and our great partnership was founded through a love of the show, have even heard of Moonlighting. Every time I go to LA, I always visit the Eastern Building too and imagine Maddie hanging off it. Would love to know how they shot it so accurately. Thank you, Matthew, for sending that email in. It obviously influenced the rest of your life. Here's an email from Andy. Um, I'm so excited about your upcoming podcast. As I commented on Instagram the other day, what a gift. 
I may be interested in recording my fan story, although I'm much better at writing than off the cuff live. The first moonlighting episode I remember seeing was In God We Strongly Suspect. Just did the math and that would have made me 11 years old at the time. Moonlighting was truly the definitive number one favourite show of my late childhood, early teen years. I recorded each episode on VHS and watched them countless times, which filled all the hiatus weeks. Am I right? I remember not always being able to stay up until 10, either because of the hour of homework. So the morning after a new episode, I would jump out of bed at 6am to watch it via VCR before school. Moonlighting meant so much to me. It spoiled me for television at an early age because it was so much better than nearly everything else on at that time. It helped shape my sense of humour to this day. I still quote lines and wear Ray-Bans a la Dave. Thanks to a killer soundtrack, Moonlighting gave me an incredible appreciation for 60s, 70s, 80s music, including Motown and Billy Joel. And, maybe unfortunately, Maddie and David were my perfect vision of what an adult relationship should be. To this day, I still bristle when a TV critic blames Moonlighting for a couple on another show getting together and it going downhill. They do not understand all of the other factors at the time during Moonlighting. I can't imagine the two of them not having gotten involved. Moonlighting was never meant to run 10 plus years, although another season or two would have been awesome. Anyway, thanks for your time and can't wait to hear the upcoming podcast, Andy. Thank you, Andy. That was lovely. Yeah. (laughs) Very detailed. (laughs) Okay, so this is from Els. Um, Dear Grace and Shauna, first of all, congrats on the first podcast. I really enjoyed it. I did miss one guy during your conversation, which is the right hand of Simon. The yeah. guy with the, um, the see-through shirt. This, yeah. <laughs> he did have a name, I think, but he ties up David and Maddie and fights David. He is played by Brian Thompson. I'm a huge X-Files fan, and when I rewatched the pilot of Moonlighting, all I could say, Alien Bounty Hunter, which was his role in the X-Files. Can't wait to hear your next podcast. Love, Els. Thank you so much for your email. Yes, I did miss him. All we did was mention his see-through shirt. I apologise for that, and I didn't know he was in the X-Files, although I do know his face from other shows, and that's probably where I remember him from. Oh, yeah. Thanks to everyone who has messaged our Instagram, and thank you to everybody who has sent in an email. And keep your emails coming in. We're loving reading them and and hearing all your stories. Yeah, just so great to hear from everyone around the world. And great to connect with everybody. And if you know any Moonlanding fans, please tell them about the podcast. Connect them to our Instagram. And yeah, we just want to reach as many people as possible out there in the Moonlanding community and unite everybody. And our community is definitely growing too. So thank you to everybody who's joining yeah. and joining Instagram and Facebook group and emailing and messaging. It's wonderful. We're loving it, aren't we, Shauna? Oh, yeah. This is amazing. We've gotten a bigger (laughs) and better response than I think we even imagined. I mean, it's just the beginning and it's already just been an amazing experience and, and can't wait to continue and grow the community and connect with everybody and keep going. I didn't have trivia, but I can tell you one of my favorite lines that we didn't mention um, oh, I do it really? Yeah, there was a line um, in the car in the parking garage when Maddie and David are talking, and David says, "Just because his son is a killer doesn't mean he's not a nice guy." 
<laughs> which is kind of, uh, I think, uh, very much a Glenn because, <laughs> uh, you know, she couldn't bring herself to, to tell him. And it's like, it doesn't mean, you know, just because he's a killer doesn't mean he's not a nice guy, right? Okay. So that was Gunfight at the So-So Corral. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And Shauna, would you like to tell us what the next episode is that we're going to be talking about? Please join us for our next podcast in two weeks, which will be on the episode called Read the Mind, See the Movie. But it also had a second title, which was An Inkling of Murder. Get and it. That's, yes. So if you look on the internet, you know, a couple of these episodes have two titles. So maybe they had a working title and then they changed the title when it went to air. Like Knowing Her, it went by Blast from the Past um, as they were filming it. It was called, I think it was called Blast from the Past and then they changed it to Knowing Her. Um, so this one is still listed as an inkling of murder if you search for it but it's called read the mind see the movie um i never knew that on the actual episode yes you do have a phd i have a phd in moonlighting guys get out of town (laughs) an inkling of murder yeah is that funny really i'll send you the screenshot right now grace um i think that's a better title an inkling of murder. Yeah. I know, but you know what's so funny is um, if you look at these titles, everything had murder in the first season. So it was Gunfight at the Soso Corral, but then it was An Inkling of Murder, which they changed. Oh, to and the next season. murder you hear, and then the next, next stop murder, and then the murder's in the mail. And the murder's in the mail, so everything is murder, <laughs> but which is really funny. The next one has two titles. So anyway, whatever you call it, that's the one that we'll be discussing. Gunfight at the Soso Corral is season one, episode three. We're just going to go by this numbering system because the pilot is one and two. We'll be yeah. discussing season one, episode four, an inkling of murder or read the mind, see the movie. That's what we need to explain, that the pilot is actually episode one and episode two. And then the Gunfight at the Soso Corral is episode three. And then yeah. next week is episode four. That's it. Can't wait to talk to you about that, Shauna. I can't either, and I will come up with some better trivia, promise. (laughs) Well, Grace, it's been wonderful discussing this with you. Um, A lot of good insight there. Thanks for all your tidbits of well-researched information. Thank you, Shauna. And I'd also like to thank you for your wealth of knowledge that you've given the listeners today as well. And I'm looking forward to talking to you in two weeks' time. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting the Podcast. Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.